Thanks for listening. In today's episode, Chris and I are going to talk about the ideas that I'm kicking around to modify 2D20 rules to fit another game whose setting I love, the campaign I'm looking forward to running, I really love, but I'm not so hip on the system. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Well, this is our second recording in a week, which is something that we did for a long time, was our norm for a long time, and then life got in the way. So I don't know, do I need to ask you about what your gaming's been like in the last couple days? (laughs) Three days. No, in the last three days, I haven't done any gaming. Although I am playing, I am playing Curse of Strad tonight, which might be the first time we've managed it back two weeks back to back, which is how bad we've been trying to play it. The heavens are going to crack open over that. That's amazing. That's good, though. I'm glad. I'm glad. So it's definite, or is it a hoped for? Or you really Unless something happen? goes wrong in the next three hours. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, it should be going ahead. Good. So, Very yeah. good. Well, hey, a quick um, update, since this is, I believe this is the first time that we've recorded, maybe, I don't know. I mean, we recorded that episode with uh, Nathan Dowdle just three days ago. Yeah. And then it dropped was- yesterday, and we're at about 100 already people have, have downloaded listened to it i've actually gotten some really positive feedback from folks nathan actually dumped it in the uh, a link to our show in the um uh the the modifius discord server and um oh i wonder if we'll get one tomorrow in the newsletter maybe uh but it's, it's neat though because on reddit i've i've had a number of people have commented and, and actually had some some really interesting ideas that i'll i'll kick around with you by email and, and off the show for future episodes actually some stuff that i thought really uh would be of, of interest and, and value. Um, but we decided today, listeners, to talk about another modification. Uh, that It's a modification, actually, that I'm working on to take the system and use it to power uh, the Dracula dossier. And um, Chris, have you ever heard of the Dracula dossier, the, the campaign no. that Pelgrim? No? No. Okay. Which is how, well, how not popular it is. Well, but okay, but here's the well. I've heard of the system, and I've heard of the company, but the only reason I've heard of the company is because they did Thirteenth Age, right? Um, and I've vaguely heard of the subsystem you've used, but no, I've never heard of that adventure. Yeah, Pelgrim is is actually based in England. I, I think they're based in London as well, but I think they only have like well, one full time employee. I checked their website yesterday. I was curious. They are <laughs> they're, they're, they're just a tiny little company that puts out these very niche games. And Gumshoe is their, their house system as far, not necessarily their house system. It's one of the systems that they created. And in a nutshell, Gumshoe is, it's meant for investigation heavy games. And the, the, the folks who came up with it, I think had a really great idea. They, they, they started off with the question of what happens when you're running investigations and someone fails their gather information role? You know, we talked about this in the episode where we, where yeah. we you know, th- that's a that's a huge problem uh, in a traditional like binary yes no type of system like die twenty d twenty one of the two. Um, It'd be d twenty. Yes, we have now established you've been saying it wrong for a year. Well, and then you guys say Z. I'm like, what's with that? 
Z? That's like a dude. A, that's not a letter. Not a letter that comes up a lot. <laughs> anyway, so the, they're putting uh, Gumshoe in a nutshell is that Gumshoe characters have two different types of abilities. They have what are called investigative abilities and they have general abilities. And investigative abilities are things like architecture, hematology, you know, like hematology, is that hematology? Hematology, yeah. there's the word I'm looking for. Um, accounting, uh, all, I mean, all kinds of things, all kinds of skills, things that you would know or know how to do that are more knowledge-based. The idea was that investigative skills are the skill or abilities are the ones that you use to gain information. When you gain information, you're able to move the plot forward and then take action. General abilities are things like driving, shooting, jumping, stuff like that. that those are the action skills in general. And the investigative abilities are the gaining information. So the idea is you gain information to go take action. And then when you take action, you learn more things so that you can then think about them and take more action. So it's this, this idea, this, this back and forth between gain, act, gain, act. And back to their question of like, well, what happens when you gather information and you fail? What happens when you go to the archives and you, you, roll, you botch or something like that? So their idea is that's not interesting. And so investigative abilities, you never roll for. Hmm. You automatically succeed. So if you have accounting and you have as an investigative ability and you have access to someone's books, like physical or digital, you can just ask the GM, okay, what do I learn about their money laundering? And you instantly Jabap, you get the answer. And their idea, and I think this is a good one, is that by clearing the path to gaining clues, you enable players, you, ass you assure that players are going to get to the interesting place of what to do with those clues, what to do with that information. The, the problem that I have found with this at the table is that it it wrecks, it disincentivizes, it drives people away from playing their characters as characters. Dialogue disappears at the table. Because after all, like if you have a, an investigative ability that enables, like, uh, that enables you to get information out of people in a social setting without them realizing it, you know, like, a, like soft interrogation, no rubber hose. <laughs> There's no, like, the way that you gain information is you say, okay, I approach that person and I'm going to talk to them about the docs. What do I learn about the criminal goings on at the docs? Since you're, you are going to succeed, there is no role. That's, that turns out to be the interchange. Right. And so there isn't any, like, people don't speak in character. People don't describe what they're, like, if you have our architecture and you go into a building where you think there's a secret room and you're going to use your knowledge of, like, wall placement and beams and crap like that to go, oh, this room is 10% smaller than it should be. There's no reason to walk into the room and say, okay, my character walks here and does this and does it and really describes the activity because you say, okay, do I find a false room or not? Yes, no, that's it. That sounds like that can be played around though. If you had players that were willing to play, I mean, you could say the same thing about role, that any game where you do roll for that stuff where someone can go, Right, well, I go into this thing, I want to find this, I roll my dice, I got a 15, do I find it or not? So you can still have, you know, the, you can still get the same thing with dice rolling things. So I can, I can see where you're coming from, like why bother talking to the player and actually come up with something cool to say to the NPC when you're going to find the information. Whereas yeah. normally, you're, like a GM would go, right, well, 
that was a good question to ask, or that was a more interesting way, or you said the right thing, or you are, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, the best, one of some of the best examples I've seen of this was in the expanse where if you asked particular questions and also got a good role, you would get particular information, um, which is also like the way, like I said, the only thing I've played with lots of investigation in, in 2D20 is, is infinity. And mostly they have things along the lines of, right, you ask someone some stuff and the bigger your, because you have the degrees of success, like how many successes you get will usually give you multiple information. So I can see why you'd want to, that could be frustrating and you'd want to try something else because, um, yeah, I mean, like the last thing I did play with lots of, lots of investigation was, was the expanse, which was like usually lots of investigation and then maybe one combat and a thing. And that there, it did matter. You had to, it depended on what question you asked. It was kind of like, if you asked this question and you did a good role, you will get this information. But if you, like you said, if you didn't ask the, the right questions, you got nothing. And if you fluffed your roles, you wouldn't get as much stuff. So yeah, I can see why that would be, that would be annoying if people are just like, because then it's like a board game. It's not even really, although yeah. in a board game, you probably roll. Well, what's fascinating is that it, it, in my experience of running it, it, it turned it turns more into players sitting around the table, not playing their characters, but moving their characters around like, like pieces on a board in a way. And so it does, it, it, it's, it, it goes from first person speech and, and level description to third person. Yeah. Instead of, I go to this location and I engage with, this, with it in this manner to investigate it. It's more, okay, I go to this place. What do I get out of it? What do I get? What do I get out of being there? You know, like I, I find yeah. the, the, the basement lab. Is it a meth lab or is it some like creepy vampire blood lab or is it both? Um, it's less about what you're doing and what you're coming away with. And so the, the, the motion is always toward give me my information, not what's actually going on in the story. So there, there are some other things about the system. I, say, I, I think that that's a good idea in general, but there's some other things about the system too, like the way action is handled that I won't go into, but is just a little on the flat side. It yeah. doesn't. So I like 2D Die 20 better for that. Now, the Dracula dossier, you said you haven't heard of this. That's okay. Um, this was uh, the product of a Kickstarter from 2015. Um, and one of the games that Pelgrane puts out that's powered by Gumshoe is called Knights Black Agents. Have you heard of that? I mean, possibly only because you've mentioned it previously. Oh, okay. So I'm like the weirdo who's like, you should listen to this indie band that no one's heard of. Yeah. That's me. Okay. Knights Black Agents, simply put, is a vampire spy thriller role playing game. Right. So take the born identity and put vampires behind all the worst of it so instead of like eastern europe like russian oligarchs running mafias in in eastern europe no it's vampires running those things in eastern europe human trafficking it's vampires arms it's vampires is it um, is it just vampires or is there other stuff as well um there can be other things it's, right, okay. it's very much of a um it, it establishes the genre of the vampire spy thriller which to my knowledge it only exists in Knights black agents because like there's a lot of there's a lot of properties that start with just so like True Blood starts just with vampires and Buffy started just with right. vampires and almost invariably any of these things that started just with vampires at some point there ends up being everything yeah, there's, else there's because room. funnily enough just, just doing vampires gets boring after a while so then it turns into everything which is you know well, there's room for other there's definitely it? room for other things um, and it's Werewolves. very much of a of a game where 
like what's the nature of vampires are they are they like satanic are they like your traditional damned vampires are they are they aliens are they like mutants are you know there's all kinds of weird ideas for where where do the vampires come from what gives them their juju in your campaign um it, it depends on what clan they're in oh, everybody knows that that's okay that that's true how much they sparkle <laughs> um i've just as, as much as we like to joke about world of darkness they did a very good yes, job of stopping of, of making vampires be yep. different because pre that like all the vampires could just be very gothic and emo-y and just like you know the, the long coats and the dark things and your world of darkness vampires weren't like you know depending on the clan they were very very the thing that was great about that too is that all of those clans had had aspects to them that made them special that were all drawn out of the 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 corpus of vampire lore which i i thought they did a good job with um but this so vampire spy thriller okay which is kind of gonzo unto itself that's cool the Dracula dossier was a Kickstarter they put out in 2015, and what it it's a campaign. It is a collaborative, open-ended campaign set in this world where the the idea, and I'll put links to where you can find this stuff um, in the show notes. But the idea is that Bram Stoker's Dracula, the novel, is a redacted, uh, like counterintelligence <laughs> or or. Uh, deception operation that british intelligence in 1893 sent a team of operatives to transylvania to try to recruit dracula the vampire as an intelligence asset like what better hey what better person to spy on folks the empire doesn't like or make them disappear a vampire and it of course as one would expect goes horribly wrong and so uh bram stoker is hired to put together the intelligence report from the operation. He hands it over to British intelligence, and they're like, this is too detailed. This is too complete. Some of these things happened in public. We have to find a way to push all this under the carpet. So the idea is that there are two versions of the Dracula novel. There is the redacted version that was released as a, uh, a, as a deception tool to the general public, and then there is the unredacted version, that's the version with all the other crap in it. And so go ahead. I was going to say, so is the original Knight's Black Agent, was that intended to be modern day, but the Dracula dossier was what, late no, 1800s um, it, or okay, something? Good question. Knight's Black Agents, the, the default setting is post-Cold War, mostly Eastern Europe. Everything okay. is dreary and everyone drives black cars. So yeah, spy yeah. stuff, that makes sense. Um, the Dracula dossier, the idea is that, so, so there are two versions of Dracula. There's the one that was released that's meant to fool people into thinking some of these weird things that happened in public were just didn't happen or, or whatever. And then there's the unredacted, the full version, which has characters and portions and things that were removed from the publicly, uh, the, the published version. Now, what has happened is British intelligence agents over the last century plus, three of them have for whatever reason, taken the, this, the dossier, that's what it's called, and they have annotated it. They've written marginalia, like trying to find clues, like what really happened and you know, what, was, what was really going on or whatever. And so the Kickstarter consisted of this brick of a book that was like the GM's guide, the storyteller's guide to you know, putting the campaign together. The other thing is the, is the actual novel 
Dracula, but it's the unredacted version. But it has all this additional <laughs> stuff in it, and as you page through it, it has fake marginalia. It has three different, there are agents from the 40s, the 70s, and like after 9-11. There are three different agents in British intelligence who supposedly secretly yanked this thing out of the archives and started taking notes in the margins to try to figure out the real secrets. And now this book has fallen into the hands of the agents, that is, the players. So the idea is that your players use this actual physical book as a source of clues, and then it's a collaborative campaign. There isn't a single, like, it's not linear. The plot could go any, any direction the GM and the players take it. So, like, I have the, the, the storyteller's guide, obviously, and I have this almost 500-page version of Dracula that's full of all these scribbled fake notes, and th- wow. it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And so you have to find players who are willing to read a novel and scratch their heads <laughs> and go blind looking at these this tiny little fake color-coded marginalia. Uh, and my players want to do it. Cool. But back to the issue of the system. But you, but you, yeah, you want to use a different I want to use this system. I want to use the 2D-die-20 system. Um, <laughs> Don't start putting two Ds in the middle of it. Well, because I, you know what? I, I want to make sure that everybody's happy. So I say D-die. It's fine because if you say you say die and I say D, then we cover everything between us. So then it's fine. You can just stick what about to say the does what you and the does. Say. Two da twenty. No. Two twenty. No. Yes. You stick. You can stick to saying die, and I'll stick to saying D, and we're okay. fine. All right. And every everybody's okay. happy. Don't start getting weird and sticking two things in the middle of it. Okay. Well, I was just living my best truth there for a moment. So, so you've decided you're going to use two D twenty. I know the answer to this one. So then, I mean, it's an obvious answer. Let's see. So you want a semi-modern day version, which might have rules for bad monastery things and is kind of set up to be a bit of investigation and a bit of action as well. I mean, there's really only one obvious answer, which is the one that you went for. What do you mean? Like in terms of which which 2D20 system do you go with? Um, I mean, I I would have gone for the same one that you've gone with because... Yeah, and, and what, we, what I decided to do is use, I'm, I'm starting with Octoon Cthulhu. Now, I yeah. had considered, because one of the, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to use 2D20 to emulate some of the things that are in Knight's Black Agents that I think are important to the system. The one thing is the player, the characters have to be able to be great at, at getting information. They have to be really great at, at, at investigating things, either through whatever means. They have to do that because they, they need information to drive the story forward. They, I also want to be able to have furious action when necessary. And that's why I wanted to stick with, I went with Octoon Cthulhu. I had initially considered Dune. Well, no, work with me here. I'd initially considered no. Dune because there are some things in Knight's Black Agents that work really well, I realize, as assets. And I started thinking a little more narratively, like from that, the Dune approach, but then I realized that Spy thrillers need a degree of like gun and gadget porn that you lose yeah. when you don't have challenge dice and weapon qualities. That's and stuff partly like true. That. I mean, you do have assets and stuff in June. I think June works best when you've got those multiple layers of like the things so that you have the you have the people running the houses and then you have like the spies in the houses and then you have the, the you have the wars going on. I think if you've got a situation right, right, you are always going to be playing your yeah. investigators. 
then you're never going to use the war system in June. You're probably, you know, you're not going to use some of the top level stuff. So that's why, like we said, that I think June is really good for, well, obviously June, but we said June would be really good for doing Game of Thrones because you have that thing of the people at the top of the houses and then you have the the lower level thing. So anything where you wanted to play, go from sort of kingdom scale to like an intrigue scale at a ball, and then you wanted to go to a war scale, that's when you want to use June. And I think for this, you don't. You you want investigators. So acting Cthulhu makes sense. Um, Dishonored would make sense to some extent, but again, you said you wanted the combat die, so that goes out the window. Um, if you were going bizarre and doing a cyberpunk version of this, then I'd use sure. Infinity. But you're not doing a cyberpunk version of this. So, no, this is um, this is going to be modern day. In fact, I was I was yeah. thinking last night, do I want to set this? You know, obviously the the default for this is like 2011, 2012, a few years before the book was actually published. And so now I'm going back and forth and thinking about, do I want to put it now? With the Russians in 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 Ukraine, with the war in Ukraine going on, so it's definitely whether it's before that or or, or now, I, I haven't decided. But it's going to be it's going to be now. But yeah, without I realized that if you dump the challenge dice, even with uh, asset, I mean, obviously assets have ratings, and you can tease truths out of those. I think that all the weapon qualities that mm-hmm. are integral to the combat of, in all the other systems, I, I think that losing that would be a loss to the game. I also thought the whole idea of having effects I can apply to like vampiric abilities. Yeah. No, I, totally so I didn't agree. want to lose that. Okay. Um, one of the things in Knights Black Agents that I, I think is, is pretty cool is they have, um, they have an ability called cover. And cover exists as a pool of points. Like you might have 5, 10, or 12, 15 points in cover. And the idea is that on the fly, because you're a super spy, right? You're you're a you know Jason Bourne secret agent. You have lots of cover identities of varying quality, and so you have this pool of let's say you have twelve points. On the fly, you can say I'm going to create a three point cover that has me as a whatever, or a five point cover, and the number of points you sink into that determines how tough that cover is when challenged. And so you have this pool that you eat up, but then over time through experience, you can replenish your cover pool so that as you play your character longer, you, you develop more and more of these, these identities. Yep. They also have a, uh, a, a similar arrangement called network. A network is all the people you know to whom you can turn for information or maybe even direct assistance. And you create them in the same manner. So like all of a sudden I need, I need a forensic accountant. Eh, I don't have skill in that. So, oh, I have a friend that I used to work with back at the agency who's a forensic accountant. So I'm going to call Bob and I'm going to ask him if he can help me out. And I'm going to spend four of my nine network points to create Bob as a four-point network asset, or that's what it's actually called in, in Nice Black Agents, who will, and I'll use those four points if I have to do any roles as Bob takes care of combing through thousands of lines of spreadsheet looking for money laundering. And incidentally, what happens with those is if they run into any problems or as they roll, as you use this network connection to make roles, you attrit their their value and eventually they're going to hit zero right. if you don't replenish yeah. them 
And either that means like the dude says, you keep calling me at two o'clock in the morning and, and, and someone's watching me from across the street or Bob gets killed, you know, because the, the, yeah. the conspiracy found out that he was helping you. So what I decided with the two of these, I, I need a way to provide for on the fly covers. And I also needed a way to provide for these this access to sources of information and, and potential assistance. And this is initially actually where I turned to Dune was because of the... Yeah, it makes sense. Because of assets. Yeah. I guess the difference is, is that in the original game, it's not like... It, so Dune would be... You'd use Dune if you were going to play as the assets because you'd send them off doing things. But you're not. You're really the, the assets are meant to be a dice roll. It is meant to just be you roll and you see if they do. And if you get like a load of complications, then that would reduce the asset value. So it doesn't need to be the June thing. So I can see why you thought about going that way. But again, I think June is when you're actually sort of like those the the assets are almost a character. And in this case, they're not a character. They really are, you know, they are just a, a stat thing that you do. So yeah, it does mean you have to create two extra points things if you have to create like a cover pool and a network pool. But it's no difficult, it's no real more different than some of the versions which have like, you know, like the money, the ones which have money and you have like a, like a, you have like a wealth rate and your wealth's like five. And then as you, your wealth can go up and down and if you spend too much, it goes down. So it's similar to that. So some of the other, like that's how infinity works, the money stuff. So it's, it's similar to that. So it's not actually that difficult to say, you know, what you're doing. And you can see straight away how easy it is to go, right, well, I'm going to have an asset and the asset is a rating three. So when you roll it, you roll three dice, which is basically what you've got written down. And then if you roll complications, then you will reduce the dice value. Well, there you go. That's super easy. It, like it almost writes itself. Um, the cover's more complicated, but again, you've got kind of along the lines of the, the cover being like how good the cover is. And therefore that might be the difficulty you'd roll against. So a rating three cover would be, the enemy has to roll against the difficulty of three to you know something like it. There's some really easy ways it works just using it as a as a score, knowing that it goes from sort of one to five, like most things. Okay, do. you know what? You just made me think of something that because I had I had thought of this in a different way, but now you're 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 making me think differently. What I had originally thought was that using an asset would require the the, the player to roll, but hmm. would use the assets rating as additional twenties to add into the pool. Yeah, I think I just rolled theirs. So what you're saying, so now, see, what's interesting is that if I were to do that, then if we were to go that route, then assets would be rated one, two, or three. Because you can't have more than five no, dice so, in a so, pool. Yeah, but that's why I'd be saying that either the assets are rated one to three and you roll two as a player plus the asset value, or the assets rate from one to five and you just roll the asset value. Um, oh, I like that. Because you know what, then, if... If your asset needs, now this is interesting actually, because if your asset, if you're going to have your, your computer hacker buddy find out like when someone's passport has been like, according to England, when has this passport been here, there, wherever, and you need them to, to, to break into some government database, you would, you, you, what you're saying is you would use their rating as their dice pool. Yeah. Now. Because really, it's them doing the work. So, yeah. and also, it means there's a big difference then between a, a, a rating five asset that is like properly amazing yeah. at their job, and a rating one is either a terrible asset or it's a asset you've used so many times they're pretty close to being okay. burnt. 
Okay, I um, like that. Whereas if you only rate one to three, you're always rolling at least three dice. Oh, um, and a rating three one is like, you know, so that does give you a bit more of a leeway between um, the good thing, you know, the good stuff and the bad here's, stuff. Here's a, uh, here's a problem though. If you're having the asset roll separately from you based on its rating, what's its target number? Uh, see, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, I mean, it might just be that you, you, the target numbers are then based on set things for sort of how, and because you need difficulty. Yeah, I, see. I don't know. It's something to play with. Yeah. You could do it on yourself and do one to three. I do like the idea though of the, um, the assets rating and the rating is that score, whether it's one to three or one to five, which would then be how many points you sink into it from your pool. Mm. Uh, I do like the idea of that being the difficulty. Like, I mean, if you're using a cover identity and I, as the GM, are rolling on behalf of the, you know, the, the jackbooted, jackbooted security mook at the, at the airport who's looking you and looking down, looking at that kind of thing, um, the, the rating of, the, of your cover is the difficulty. That makes sense. That yeah. makes things really that easy. That makes it nice and easy. Yeah. Now, what I had thought of putting aside the issue of target numbers, because that's that's a challenge. That, that's an issue. Um, I had it, you know, for for any of these. If you rolled uh, a complication, what did I have here? If the if the roll generates any complications, regardless of success or failure, the rating of the asset is decreased by one for each complication enrolled, rolled, and accepted yeah. by the GM. So if the GM says, "Okay, we're going to roll with it with that," instead of just adding to my threat. It reduces the rating by one, reflecting an erosion of the quality of that asset for whatever reason. And then it, when an asset gets to zero, it's, it's no longer usable. And then it's, you know, the GM who describes like, yeah, did they, did they go find your hacker friend and cut them into bits and pieces and spread them around the street because they're Russians and that's what they do? Like Russian <laughs> intelligence kind of thing? Or did the guy just say, I'm done, you know, this is, this is freaking me out too much? Um, now, what I had had for, I'd have to consider, would there be an effect base, would, would there be an effect that would, like a negative effect by failing, or is failing just failing? Like, think about this. If you walk through, you try to walk through a border checkpoint, and you, you pull out your passport, and you fail, like, what does that, what does that mean? Does it mean they don't let you through? And it, do, do they just say, no, we're not going to let you through? Or do they detain you? Like, I think it needs to depend on, I mean, like what you, you, what you division in the, in the adventure, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that you decide at the time is that, because we know for, well, failure doesn't have to mean failing. Failure could just be detaining. And, it, it, you know, if it's time critical, then detaining them is suitable yeah. enough. Just flat out stopping them getting through is problematic because for this kind of thing, it's unlikely you can just turn around and go back and go a different right. way. So it may be that they, you get to go through, but then, you know, they've got to watch on your passport right. or there's a tail on you or, or something like that. So it's the kind of thing you can go, right. I'm going to, I'm going to say you, 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 you get through, but I'm going to take some extra, um, threat. or you create a truth, right. You, you know, you, you, you succeed, but with consequences. So it's the kind of thing you can go, because okay. we've got truth now to say, right, okay, if you, if you fail, they let you, you know, they, they hold you up a bit, they hum and ha, they're not very happy, they let you through, but now there is a truth of, you know, you're under, under surveillance. Yeah, you, your passport is, is flagged, and the next time yeah, you go something through, like you that. get hassled even more. Yeah, so that, 
you know, there is a consequence of that which is going to come back and yeah. so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's ways where you do it. The truth system makes these things so much easier than they used to be because, like you said, it used to be like, oh, you failed your role. Oh, well, you fail. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say the same thing with the investigation because obviously you do now have the situation that the investigation stuff would work, that a zero, like a no success role on an investigation wouldn't be no information. It would be one piece of information and then every success beyond that would be an extra piece of information if there is stuff, um, depending on, you know, what they've asked and what skill they've used and, and so on. And like you said in the past, there were red herons. So you'd kind of do right. If they failed, you're more likely to give them a piece of red heron information. Um, and if they got a really good success, you might go, right, well, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you a red heron, but then I'm not going to give you as much. And, you know, it's just kind of the GM call stuff that okay. we normally do. Um, all right. That's, that, that gives me, that gives me stuff to think about. Um, but like I said, I, I, so I, we need to provide for the cover identities and the, and the network contacts. There's also a, uh, an ability in Nice Black Agents called preparedness. And it is a pool where it, through which you can pull out points to roll to retcon through either, oh, I, I, I put a getaway car there. Or I made sure that door was unlocked when I came out. You know, it, all that stuff that we as players think of after the fact, like, oh, crap. That would have been really cool if yeah. I had thought of that last session or 20 minutes ago. Preparedness enables you to do that. And so as a third category of asset, I created retcon, which enables you to, uh, within reason, create a physical asset that'll exist for a single scene with a rating based on how many points are assigned to it. I'm not sure you want another set yeah. of points. It seems like the kind of thing that could easily be dealt with by just either spend a momentum or you do a preparedness role and depending on how many momentum you generate on the preparedness role, create yeah. your retcon asset of, of that rating. I don't think you okay. need to spend more points. Um, this is the kind of thing where the game you need to look at for this is, uh, God's sake, Blades in the Dark, because this apparently, having not played it or read it, and every time I read it, I bounce off it, um, but that one of the ways that Blades in the Dark is meant to work, because it's meant to always be high, not, not always heist, but you're criminals. You're always doing criminal type thing. So it could be a heist or an assassination or something. But the whole way you're meant to is you're meant to go, you're meant to be told what the mission is, okay. and then you're meant to just go and do it. And then at points in the game where you realize, all right, well, I needed to have set up, um, I should have, you know, I should have got this piece of information or I should have got this key. You do a flashback to how you've already done it. Yeah. So this is a similar thing to, to, you know, what you're talking about here. And I, as far as I know, because obviously Blade in the Dark isn't powered by the apocalypse, but it kind of is, but it works a different way. But I imagine the thing is there is you would roll your dice and if you get a good success, then yes, the thing that you need is you, you found it or you already prepared it. So it'd be the same here. You do a preparedness roll, and if you roll well, the thing that you need, you have or you found or you, you brought it with you. I don't think you need another okay. set of points to spend on it. For the cover and the network, it makes sense. It's a night, you know, it's, that's the kind of things you build up over time. The retcon thing is, like you said, if it's only for one scene, to me it would seem right. You make a preparedness roll, and however much you... And like the difficulty would be you know, it's, it's how, how hard would it have been to make sure. So if someone's asking like, all right, ooh, yeah, I, I needed a, an attack helicopter in this. And you go, well, that's ridiculous, right? Difficulty four. And then they, you know, they need to generate four successes to have that happen. Whereas if it's like, oh, uh, I needed okay. some rope. You'd be like, yeah, okay. you're fine. Rope's fine. Difficulty one. And then however many successes they get over that, they could then have it for maybe more than one scene or they have a better version or whatever. So I think the rules are already set up within 
okay, we've never done this in the world, but it seems like because of the way that it works with, you know, difficulty and momentum that you don't need another set of points to be able to do what you're trying to do here. Um, between just truths and momentum, you can okay. pretty much cover I think that makes sense. Okay. All right. Good. That actually, yeah. That, and incidentally, my, my idea with the cover and the network pools is that you would start off with a fixed amount at character creation. You would then allocate yeah. them into those two pools as you see fit to start playing. And then you'd have those two pools to determine how you use them throughout play. You would then recharge each of those pools yeah. through experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes I want to talk about stress. Uh, because I've had an idea that I've been kicking around for a while about, um, about, uh, uh, how to, like how to streamline NPCs and their stats and they're, they're connected to this. So I'll only talk about what I'm calling villains, which are your nemesis level, you know, and, and player characters right now. And this kind of surprises me because I like the unified stress track in, um, Octon Cthulhu and most of the games now, but I'm thinking three different stress tracks. I'm thinking physical, mental, social, because one of the tropes of like spy stuff, and maybe this is a little less on the thriller spy side, but definitely like the James Bond and Mission Impossible is sometimes you get that, um, like that social showdown between adversaries. And I want to be like, you know, at a, they're, they're playing Baccarat. And, you know, James Bond is just like that much more smooth with the, the villain with the glass eye or something like that. You know what I mean? And so what I wanted was, yeah. yeah, you can get the crap beaten out of you and you are defeated. You can have your brain melted for whatever reason and you're defeated or you're kind of socially pushed aside or rolled over by the group that's around you. So I wanted to have the three different um, stress tracks. And the idea is that you can be taken out, defeated, whatever the term, um, when one of those tracks gets filled, three injuries, like Octone Cthulhu. So you could have one, one, and one, or even two, two, and two spread throughout the three, but one, you have to be, it's not, a, it's not three injuries spread throughout, otherwise it'd be too easy to get rid of you. It, one of them has to be full with three injuries to take you out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how- at Cthulhu, does At Cthulhu have, or At Cthulhu have stress? Like you have eight points of stress, and then it has injuries. No, Octon Cthulhu, yes. you have a you have a combined stress track. So there's one stress track. You can take three injuries before being defeated. If you are defeated, and two of those injuries, two or more, are physical, then you're dying. And injuries happen when you take five points or more of damage at once. And so I was, okay. I wanted to stick with that three injuries, a- peg it to that, but you have these three different stress tracks and then you are defeated. And are you dying? Are you just like, you got so freaked out, you're like banging your head on a wall, or did you look like such a schmuck in front of everybody that you, you recognize you need to, you need to, to retreat and, and regroup. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of irrelevant, but. Um, if you go back to what the other ones, like the, the original three yeah. where you did have the multiple stress tracks, what they would call is that, because injuries would be the, well, they could be called wounds. Yeah. Injuries would be the physical injuries, and then you'd, you'd call them trauma. So you'd have the stress is like your points of damage, and the trauma is the big things that you can only take three of. 
um because otherwise you've got like social injury which sounds weird but then another yeah. way it's it's, it's semantics. i remember initially it really when i when i first read um, conan the whole like stress and 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 trauma and it was actually with all the terms flying around it was confusing and so i'm okay with just injury um yeah but my idea though as long as you know that there's different i think the way they did that is try and make it clear that a you know a physical wound wasn't the same as mental trauma or whatever but then like you said if you've got three stress tracks and you've got a difference between sort of harm and the traumas that like the the not so the hit point type stuff and the bad stuff then it does start getting there's a lot of yeah, words so I was flying around just but. stick with injury and then the idea that the, the my idea is that uh whenever you take any kind of injury a social a mental or a physical that's going to add one difficulty to all the task roles cumulatively yeah that'll get bad quickly because i think that if your brain is getting turned to mush by some kind of emotional or mental trauma and you've been shot and you look like a schmuck all three of those things together are going to combine to attrit your ability to act well or effectively so that's what i was thinking for the the top level folks now npc stats and this is the wacky idea that I've been kicking around is to just to not even try to use typical PC stats for NPCs. NPCs would have three stats, cunning, toughness, and speed. And each of them is a combination of physical and mental. Um, yeah. They're rated as normal ones, you know, normal PC ratings are. But then beyond that, um, they don't have because i i was looking and we didn't talk about this but for pcs i'm thinking more even though the the combat system is octone cthulhu i'm thinking more star trek disciplines not skills because we talked about that you mm -hmm. know broad category disciplines seem to be more fitting to high competence characters um and so instead of having disciplines at all they would have ratings and abilities that'd be comparable to, um, you know, comparable to something like a skill or whatever, but they'd be NPC specific for that moment. So if you have a goon who's a guard, well, he's going to fight and observe. So you give him points in fighting and observing. Or if you have a goon who's like a... a you know, flying a plane or I don't, I don't know, you know, the helicopter, you know, the old James Bond trope, there's always guys in black sweaters and black sunglasses flying helicopters, shooting at James Bond. So you have fly, shoot, you know, like those are the, so a, a goon is just stripped yeah. down to cunning, tough speed. And then you pick, you just, this, this is what this goon does. And this is how, this is the goons rating in that so that you can say, all right, he's, he's going to punch you. So I'm going to take his fighting and his toughness. There's just no reason to have that much granular detail for a goon. And then beyond that, I, I have goons not having stress tracks at all. And not only that, I'm toying with the idea of them not even dropping with a five-point injury. You, if you succeed, like in Dune, they're gone. Uh, yeah, that can work. What do you think? I mean, what do you see as the potential drawback to that? Because in that case, it makes... The problem Goons with can that, do a lot of damage, but the, they the drop one, really easily. Yeah, the problem with that is the obvious one is if you want them armored. But then if you just go right, well, goons don't have armor and it's not an issue, and we just take them out. 
Um, but lieutenants then can still have, you know, they can have armor and they can have a stress track. So then it's fine. Like you said, lieutenants have a single stress track, goons don't. Because um, what you're thinking is you're one of those things where you've got the goons and they're going down and then the big guy comes out and he's got a ton of armor on him. But that's never the goon. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a we're counting this, it would count as a lieutenant. So I don't, I don't really see an issue as essentially if you deal. Oh, actually, no, it still works because if you have a goon with armor, um, then if they have two armor and you only do two damage, they don't go down. So you see, but what I, what I was, so th- it's fine. I, that makes sense. And what I was thinking about with goons is that like, you don't even roll damage if you are successful, but what you could do though, we, we could, we could deal with it like that by saying, you know, obviously in a melee, in a struggle, because, you know, both sides roll and you subtract, you know, you compare momentum. If you end up yeah. succeeding and they fail, if the, if the goon succeeds and, and you fail in a struggle, well, obviously you've got no successes. The goon doesn't drop. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, the only downside of not rolling combat dice is that some of the things, like when you roll and you want to spend momentum, is you spend momentum to take out extra people. But you can still generate momentum. You generate momentum off the attack roll, so that's fine, because you just spend to go, right, well, I take out an extra an extra goon. So yeah, it's not an issue. Setting them up in like mobs or squads, a la Conan, you could still chip through, like let's say there's a mob of five of them and you got three successes. You, you, kill, you kill three, three of, of them. them. Yeah. But I do think your, your, your point's valid though with if you're not, you can, you'd always have momentum. You could do things with momentum, but there could also be, okay, here's a problem. And maybe this is, this is fiddly, but think about this. If you're not rolling challenge dice, then you can't have effects. You're not triggering effects. So yeah, what if you have a, yeah. a mob of five goons and nearby there's a lieutenant or something you want to light on fire? And so you hit them with your flamethrower, which has area effect. But since you're not rolling the challenge dice, you, technically there's no way to trigger that effect. You can get rid of the goons, but you can't light the wall on fire. Not within the constraints of how the system already provides for that potential. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd still roll the combat dice purely for kind of a thing like, you know, you've got to do at least a point of damage. Or even if they just have a rating that says this is how many, you know, so you don't track it. If you do two points, they die. And you've got to do those two points. And then if you do only do one, you wouldn't. But I'd, I think I'd still give them. Just because for a start, it's nice to roll combat dice. You know what? I actually think that <laughs> otherwise you I, don't. I, I actually think maybe having it. just goons drop with one injury makes more sense. It, it, and, and here's why I'm thinking. I think, I think they're like, why roll combat dice if you're not rolling? Like, yeah, it would be weird yeah. to only roll them against certain people and not against others. That would be strange. So just still roll them as normal. Um, they still go down quick. I mean, the thing is, you just give them. You give them a combat, a stress track that's like two points wide. Or so if you do two points again, of damage, I, that guy I, went down. I don't down. even actually, they don't have to have so a stress it's... track at all because they go down with a single injury. And so the, they, they're all five points. Yeah, but that means you've got to do five in one go kind of thing. Which is not that difficult. Uh, it depends how bad your dice are. Anyway, I mean, that's the kind of, you know, you can fit it with that okay. one or the other, but yeah. I think I'd still, I'd still want to roll dice yeah, against them. I think you're just right. Because otherwise it'd be weird. Okay, moving on to the last piece that I need to nail down. Um, because all the, I think all of the, call it like generic action mechanics, Octone Cthulhu does it. I don't need 
I don't need to change anything or account for yeah. anything more in those. Uh, with the addition of the cover and the network assets, we got to figure out this whole retcon thing. That works. The last thing is how to deal with vampire stats. So this is where I think you've, you've made it. You've, you've tried to go way over the top and complicated. At the end of the day, a vampire should just be a powerful okay. bad guy. Like you said, stat them like a PC. That's, okay. that's fine. Um, so you, you stack them like, you know, they can have, they can have truths, which like, like where you've got the thing about the truth, uh, the truth of vampire, which then means that there's a bunch of things where there's advice, you know, you will, you've make things easier like or turning harder into mist. or possible or not the, the truth. Yeah. The okay. truth will do a lot of your work for you. That's the first thing. Um, in terms of like a personal threat pull, they don't need that because the GM has the threat. And the end day, what are you going to do? You're going to spend your threat for the vampires and you're not going to spend it on the goons. So then to give them more threat as well. I mean, like at, at no point in any of the 2D20 we've seen have you I, there, ever there seen a character a turn up with threat. There are some nemeses in Conan. Really? Actually, oh, the free RPG, I think, I'm pretty sure it was, the free RPG day scenario, the Pit of Kotukalu or whatever it's called, the, the, the nasty thing at the end, the big beastie in the pit, I believe, has its own pool, like X many points. And I know there's some stuff in Conan that baddies that have a personal pool, but I see what you're saying. I, I kind of, to me, it's like, you don't, you know, maybe if it's like the end of the campaign kind of nemesis, like top level nemesis guy, maybe you throw him some extra threat. But kind of to me, the point of the threat is that if you're wanting this guy at the end to be super powerful, then you just save the threat for the super powerful guy. Okay, so. They shouldn't really need it. Um, now, in terms of the next one, you've got the thing about, oh, they need they need pools for cover, network, and retcon. I, I, they don't, again, they don't need that stuff because any special abilities are either going to be written into their character description or they are going to be truths or they can be things that are triggered by spending threat. So you can just have a thing that you says, spend one threat, vampire does this spend two threat vampire does this they don't need to it's the kind of thing that threat was designed for originally which then we don't see a lot i mean really most monsters should have a thing have which says happen. right spend so many threat on this monster and they get to do the super cool thing so they don't need an extra you know we all you all as a gm you already have a pool of stuff That's a good point. you don't want an extra pool of stuff as well um and then on your next one where you've got the vampires are strong and fast how do you deal with this there is a rule which I haven't seen for a while, and this is going back to Conan and Infinity and stuff. They, they used to have bad guys that had exceptional stats. So essentially, if you had exceptional brawn or exceptional agility, it was a guaranteed success whenever you rolled. Oh. And that's how you make sure you have really good stuff. So every time, it, so if you, if you have an, a, a vampire with exceptional brawn or exceptional agility, when they make a roll, they get one success automatically. Um, and that was, I've seen that in both, it's beginning, it's going back to the old ones, but both in Conan and, and Infinity, that's how they would represent sort of superhuman style characters. Um, which is why if I was doing superheroes, that's a rule I'd use straight away that if I was, had a character with super strength, every time I did a strength check, you would just, you would get one or two successes straight off the bat. You wouldn't, you know, you'd roll your dice, but then you get those automatics. What I can't tell you is do the, you know, that's not, that shouldn't be the same as rolling a one on a fortune dice or something. It's just that. If you make a roll on that stat, okay, you get a success straight away, um, and that's the easiest way. Again, we're dealing with because otherwise, you're like, well, how do I make sure that how, how do I deal with really high stats? Because if they have stats like in the 15, 16, that that's going to be really you can still do that, but you're just giving them an exceptional stat. So you give them an exceptional one or two or three if you're being crazy. 
Um, and that's a 2D20 roll. I'll that's... look that up because you know what? That could also, there was another thing that, that we, I didn't mention, but there's a, there's a mechanic in Knights Black Agents called your MOS, which is mili- military occupational specialty. Yeah, I, I could do so that So it's like in the U.S. forces, if uh, I was in the artillery, so my MOS was 13 Bravo. That's the, the 13 is the field artillery, and then Bravo tells you which job that you're doing within that. So it's like a coding system and says, you do this. Um, and the MOS in Knights Black Agents is a means by which you can, and I forget how frequently you're able to do, I think it's per session, pretty sure it's per session. You can automatically succeed mm-hmm. at one of your general, like your action abilities. So if you're like a, a, the awesome driver, you have once per session okay, here's this driving task that's absolutely gonzo and over the top. I succeed. You just checkbox it. Boom, done. And so I was trying to think of ways to, um, to incorporate something like that, but I, I've been waffling on it, but if there's an exceptional, maybe you have, like, I treat it like an exceptional discipline or something like that. I, I think the way that you've actually got it there with the fortune point makes actually makes sense that you go once per session, you get a, essentially it would be a free fortune point right. for only that okay. kind of role. And I think that would work fine. Um, because then stick into your player rules and it's, again, it's not something different. So it's literally right. You get a freebie fortune once a session, you get this fortune point, which can be used for this one particular okay. thing. Um, I think that makes sense what you had already, because we know what a fortune, a fortune point doesn't guarantee success, but it pretty much does. Because that's two. It's always two successes. So you know you have has to be crazy difficult to not be. So let me ask you this um, then: back to the, the MOS. If I'm not going to use some kind of use the concept of exceptional something or other, and I think you're, I think you make more sense about this than I was starting to think about just right now. I had originally thought, well, if you really want to guarantee success, if you get the free use of a of the fortune benefit. You're not actually spending a fortune point. That was my point about an MOS, just for yeah. those of you who haven't figured it out. You don't spend a fortune point, but you get the benefit of using one of the things that a fortune point does. So then the question is, could you still spend yeah. a fortune point on the same roll, which would give you two dice added to your pool at ones, which would give you four successes before you even roll anything? Yeah. Why not? Once per session? I don't see a problem with that. Bear in mind, well, because for a start, the the yep. MIOS fortune point is once per session and only for a very particular thing. Um, so that's fine. That's not a problem. And then fortune points, you probably only get to spend one or two per session anyway. So yeah, that's, that's you know, there's literally this, this, this is once per session and it's burning 50% of your fortune point resources to pretty much guarantee you okay. do something. Well, so, yeah, I, I like the idea of these economies of points where they're scarce. You know, you have you have options and and to what yeah. choices to what you want to do with them, but they are all limited resources. And so then the question is, yeah, you just made me think of that. How many fortune can be spent in a session, scene, whatever, and how many do you start with? I'll have to figure that out. I mean, sticks. Yeah, stick to whatever. Uh, Octan Cthulhu has. And is it's um. Yeah, so that's fine then. I, it's not once per scene. I, I think it's I think it's once per roll. I mean, you can burn through them really quickly. Oh yeah, but I mean, people tend to 
I've always seen them wait, you know, they, they tend to wait and wait and wait until they're like, this role's really yeah. important. And then that's when they burn. That's it. yeah. That, and that's, and what I wanted was with this MOS idea, like here is this absolutely essential moment, Mike, or you're, you know, you as a player, you come up with, oh my gosh, this is going to be so cool, but it's going to be really difficult, but I really want it to happen. So then you have that option of, of, of using the fortune yeah. benefit and also spend, okay, I'll stick with that. Yeah. I, I think that's, an elegant way of doing it like i said the, the exceptional stuff i've seen was always in the like the monster section so it'd be you know when you have all of the the various traits at the start of both the conan and infinity oh, they're not called monster sections but yeah. you know like the npc sections the rule the rule was in there so i would keep that on the okay. npcs unless you can have player vampires but then no. that's a whole different thing no edward cullen no team edward <laughs> team jacob garbage well we don't you know jacob's fine edward is not Anyway, Edward's doubly a vampire now because he's Batman. Causing <laughs> he was actually okay. He was actually okay as Batman. I did go in like I really don't want to watch this guy because he's. But to be fair, he was good in not Inception. What was the weird one? Tenet. So he, I had seen him. I had seen him in one good thing recently that made me think, okay, maybe he won't be terrible there as Batman. Some potentially redeeming good quality to him. Yeah. So he he was actually okay as Batman. He was very much not. But he was like properly trying to do like, I'm going to be as far away from Edward Cullen. Actually, it's not, he wasn't that far away because he was still moody and very sort of emo. So he wasn't that yeah. far away, but he didn't sparkle. Oh God, I hate uh, Twilight. Yeah. Like, so. oh. Here, I'll go ahead and wrap this up. I want to talk about two last things. And I think this is actually three last things, which I think are, are, are pretty easy to, to get our heads around. I went with six attributes, reason, insight, will, brawn, agility, and presence. Because I think that yeah, I'm trying to work I think the out. presence yeah, you've got insight as opposed to intelligence, but otherwise the rest of it's, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, so it, it's just yeah. And then I went with for disciplines, you know, broad like Star Trek adventures, academics, action, which we talked about when we talked about mods and Ghostbusters a while ago. Action just covers, you know, climbing, jumping, yeah. driving, shooting, whatever. Inter. Now I'm not happy with the name, but basically interpersonal. I, I think that's. Fine. It describes it. And then I put science. I combine science and medicine. Uh, and then tech. And then tradecraft. Tradecraft being all the spy skills and spy yeah, knowledge. Spy stuff. Uh, I think my, because I just realized what you've got in action here, my one straight away is that action's too good because it has combat and well as all of the other action-y stuff. It covers, it, that's, that's one thing I'm concerned about. However... Oh, you've even got it. I don't here. know. I, I don't know. I feel maybe I feel like irrationally odd about having six attributes and like seven or eight disciplines. I don't know if that matters. It probably actually does not matter. It's just like a strange. I mean, it, it doesn't. I can see like you've gone it's six and six lines up nicely, but it makes no difference at all. So what you're um, saying is I'm demonstrating irrational adherence to symmetry. Symmetry. Yeah, is it, when you've got, I mean, yeah, I, if I want it, if it, like the minute you go up to sort of eight, then it's not an issue anymore. But six of that and seven of that. But now here. Yeah, it kind of makes me think you want to have a seventh attribute. Well, if you well how would you, I'm happy with the attributes. Um, how would you divide, how would you subdivide? I would do it. I just call it, I just call it combat. I would just do action and combat. It'd just be, that, that's what oh. I would do straight away. I would do, I'd split into action and combat. Because action would be a, a combat is self-explanatory, and an action is everything that is not okay combat and is not tradecraft. 
because there's a lot in there like you said there's driving and skiing and parachuting and yeah. climbing buildings and there's a whole bunch of stuff there um yeah everything else is so now fine the academics academics would seem really naff but in this game where there's going to be a lot of research it's not so that's fine um i can't see which other one you can get rid of unless you can com unless you combine science and technology because in in ghostbusters we said they were totally different things because one was doing crazy science stuff and one was building it but i don't in, in this night's black agent are those really going to be you know can science be subsumed into academics or tech does science really need to be a separate thing because how sciencey are these characters really the point in ghostbusters we made was that science and technology and uh we had science technology and we had the occult they were very clearly three totally yeah. different things but that was because in ghostbusters we didn't need a like we didn't right. have tradecraft so you've added in tradecraft which makes sense i don't think you need a separate so science i could, I could really cheat and call it sci-tech no i'd i would get rid of science and have it if anything where it's like you need to know about the science would be under academics and anything where it's building it's a tech. cool thing would oh. be under technology. And then if it, and then if you're doing medicine, um, that's academics, and that's a focus. Well, I would again, I would go with: Are you doing some medicine like with no technology? It's academics. Are you sticking someone with a heart machine? Then you can say it's tech because at the end of the day, you've still got focuses, and the focus would be you know emergency medicine. That would uh, be the focus the, that you want to have because you've already got focuses. And we're back to six. Yes, there we go. Okay, okay. Back to our irrational adherence to symmetry, but I like it. I, I know it just, that, it, that it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, because totally makes sense. Okay. My initial thing was like, oh, spy should have loads of these different things, and then you go, well, no, because actually you need the main core things of what's your what are you best at, and then focuses deal with all the little bits. That's why we have focuses. Yeah. To deal with the cool little things. Well, and this is what I decided to do with focuses is you, because, and by the way, I, for character generation, I'm not going to create some kind of a life path multi-page. There's no point. Oh, ah, not initially. My <laughs> idea is to use the creation and play system from Star Trek Adventures to establish your attributes, establish your core disciplines, and then build the rest of it through play. Um, so what I thought of with focuses is you start with four. And they're like Star Trek adventures. They're, they're not like Octone Cthulhu where they're nested under a skill. They are floating and can be applied anywhere they're relevant. And then the player invokes and assigns four additional focuses, no more than one per scene, spread out until they reach eight. Yeah, so you have that's eight cool. focuses. Yeah. You have eight focuses. So you have these... It, it, I think that would enable you to have a character with these, like, like broad knowledge, but also like funky deep yeah. knowledge, and then it's something you you invoke over time. Yeah, it's the, it's the one thing that I, when I look back at Infinity or or Conan, that makes me go, I still prefer those in general because some of the other bits and pieces in those to act in Cthulhu and uh, and Star Trek, but the way that they have focuses is so much better because it means yeah. that you have these very niche little point things that your characters can do which in infinity a focus was just the, the fact that you had those expertise and focus was just irritating yeah and, um, and having a having a number attached to it was just an extra fiddly bit yeah that and so you ended up value. with characters that were super similar because you couldn't there wasn't there wasn't a way to say 
well, this character is good with pistols and this character is good with submachine guns or rifles because everyone just had, you know, firearms at five yeah. and five. I mean, they didn't, that would have been bonkers. But if you had two characters with fire, I, I don't know if it was called firearms, but let's hypothetically say it was. Um, if your firearms, your firearms maxed out at five and five, then you could take a bunch of talents, but then that was it. Whereas focus is like you straight away, let you go, right, well, I can have the same ability as my mate but it's different because I have a different focus. Um, and so focus is the, the shift to focus is like that was, is really good. Yeah. Um, okay. You could actually retroactively do that with, um, infinity and Conan pretty easily, I think. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea of having, having a, a, a number attached to the focus initially, it made sense initially, but I think that the, the evolution makes more sense, but, you know, that's just that. Yeah. That's anyway. I think if I went back to that analysis, what I'd do, I'd be go like, right, instead of having focus three, you would have. Um, actually, the trouble is that that only works when you've got the attributes. And oh no, you just have your expertise. You'd you'd have focus, and you'd have you'd have a specialization instead, and you just use the expertise. You wouldn't yeah. mess around with the with the things. So See, though, I like fine. I I prefer the focuses. The what I call floating focuses to yeah. nested focuses, like Octone yeah. Cthulhu no, nests them under skills. I actually think it makes a lot more sense. Like, for example, if you know about martial arts, that means you should be able to use it. Yeah. But that also means you might be able to recognize it. So that yeah. so it just you know it's kind of like you mentioned earlier, Thirteenth Age. The um, what the hell were those things called? They were were they backgrounds? Yes. Yeah. Which were kind of like truths in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think it, it matters at the point you've written it down as a focus. I, I think I kind of feel like most of the time they would work under one particular discipline, but actually what's stopping you use it and under another one, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any difference. So I, even right. in Act of Cthulhu, I don't think that's difficult to say if someone wants to roll their focus, but they want to roll it under their knowledge thing, not under their fighting right. thing. Then, then depending on how they're employing it. In yeah. The, it's not, it's, it's not really an issue, is it? Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to, we're, we're going to play this again this weekend. Um, my anniversary is on, on Saturday. Um, but my wife, what we do is we plan, I plan the odd numbered years and she plans the even numbered years. I came up with that idea like a couple months after we got married to be like, listen, we're never going to have a problem over who made dinner reservations or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, so she's got this year cause it's even numbered, but she informed me that she wanted to do something, but not on our anniversary day. Like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that's fine so now my i have my game back i was perfectly happy to cancel the thing for my anniversary uh but but she didn't want to so uh so we're gonna play uh version 2.0 and we're gonna take these ideas that you and i just beat on and put them to use and uh and i'll do a i'll do a write-up for you and maybe we'll come back to it but um cool. yeah yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the campaign because it's I mean, just so bizarre. If you want to write up how the session went and put it on my blog and have the first ever guest contribution to my blog, feel okay. free. Because no one else has ever, ever done anything. It's always You're going to let me yeah. in the front door like Dracula. That's good. <laughs> you know, it's funny, totally random, but a couple years ago, I was out. I, I went to walk down my sidewalk to get the mail and I'm walking back and I see this guy and he's clearly like a door-to-door salesman and you know i mean those 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 people are like contracting a virus like once you start talking to them you cannot get rid of them and so the guy like stopped me and i said hey no it's it's no problem you know i'm not interested blah, blah. i think he was selling like pest control or something like that and i uh i told him 
I don't know why, but I said, uh, uh, I said, listen, if you and I start talking, this is going to gobble up a whole bunch of my time. It's going to gobble up a bunch of your time. We're not going to get anywhere with this. I said, it's like, it's like invite, it's like the man of the house allowing the vampire into the house. You have free reign and I don't want to do that. Um, and the guy just looked at me like I was out of my freaking mind and I smiled and I told him to have a good day. You know, yeah, you can get like, have you not seen Lost Boys? Exactly. Uh, you don't let the Kirby vacuum cleaner man into your house. That is like letting Dracula into your house. Yeah, don't you do go. it. Uh, All right, cool. Please. All right, this is good. This is good. Well, you know what? Have a wonderful time with your vampire campaign tonight. I don't think there's any. We haven't had any vampires for a while. So there is a distinct lack of vampires in my vampire-themed, uh, in the vampire-themed uh, game. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use these, uh, the, the character generation rules and let them actually work through the creation and play because I just put together characters for them last week. Right. And see how that actually plays out and see how this invocation of fo focuses works out. And um, yeah, I'll, no, I'd be happy to do a write-up of it. That'd be pretty cool. And I will send you the links to this, the Pelgrane um, stuff if you're mildly interested in a really weird campaign. All right. Good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. And I will do a write-up of this uh, version 2.0. And maybe we'll do a follow-up episode as, this, as I flesh this thing out uh, for my group. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.